0: It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Bernal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, SW Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon.
1: Snow and cold continue to be the story, and our lakes are a mess. Jason Freed has got the latest on that, plus he'll preview next weekend's Eel Pout Festival on Leech Lake. We'll also talk some rattle reel rigging techniques with Brad Hawthorne, a few panfish tactics with Jason Durham, and another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby, your one-stop shop for ice fishing in the Cuyuna Lakes area, lures, fresh bait, and your propane filling station for the Cuyuna Lakes, Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off with our local report. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and Jason keeping us updated on what's going on from the Brainerd Lakes area up to Leach, and I guess we'll start up on Leach, uh, Jason, from what I've heard, uh, not just Leach, a lot of our area lakes too, but uh, things are kind of messy with ice conditions right now.
2: Yeah, this last round of snow we got, you know, this eight, uh, whatever, how many inches of snow we got has really made a, a a big mess up on Leach right now, and as well as some a lot of the other lakes, and... And with that being said, with all that weight that the snow puts on the ice, it can really create some issues. And right now, it's the issue. The issue is simply having water underneath the snow, and people plowing, and then getting into the areas, and roads getting flooded, and and uh, it's just it's a real mess right now. I've I've seen some pictures online, and of guys even getting snowmobiles stuck um, in slush and water. So it's uh, it's one of those times of year where it's uh, you almost have to sit back and and kind of evaluate maybe regroup a little bit and um you know and if you do go out calling ahead of time and and kind of having some realistic expectations in regards to getting around on the lake and um and just really kind of take those things into consideration um i'll be really interested to see if this water can can recede a little bit um and get down because obviously yelpaw festival is coming up in a week from now and if uh if there's this much water and all these issues and then people and everything, it could be a real mess up there as well. So hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully the water will uh, will seep its way back down through the cracks and, and we'll get back to having a good, clean, um, you know, ice fishing season. But it's definitely, I've heard some of that a little bit around here as well. Um, you know, around here, the lakes just don't get plowed as much. Um, you know, on those bigger lakes, you get those bigger system of roads. Um, and, you know, you just get a lot more news about what's going where and what's going on and and so you're just going to have to be really cognizant, and, you know, I would say this time here is year is not the time of year to um, be venturing out too much on your own because um, you could get yourself in a real bind pretty quick, uh, whether you're the snowmobile or a truck or anything, and get yourself stuck, and then you're going to put yourself in a pretty tough spot. So, you know, just being smart, and, you know, if you are going to venture out, just, uh, you know, have somebody with you and have the proper tools and things you need in case you do get stuck.
1: You know, just to ask a really silly question, but for somebody that's maybe doesn't get out much uh, during the winter to fish, and they're listening to this right now going, how can we be dealing with water with all this cold weather we've had? Everything should be frozen solid, you would think, but that's not the case. There's some other issues at play here.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, it's so much weight. You know, you get all this snow on top. I mean, it's not any different than getting it off your you know parts of your roof, but you get all that weight, and you get these areas where you've got these cracks and the ice expands and everything, and pretty soon that water just starts... Creeping its way up, and uh it's it's kind of a weird thing that nature can do, I guess, but you put all that weight down and then you take that water, and that ice just kind of sinks down some, and then that water seeps up and i mean i've I've heard guys saying there's literally a foot and a half to two feet of water in some spots, uh, which is really hard to believe that you can have snow water and and such, but it's kind of a it's just a weird thing, I guess, but it's definitely something you don't want to mess with because it can really play you know it can really just ruin your trip. You mean ruin your day, ruin your trip. So, you know, it's just simply all that weight on the ice just creates um, creates a lot of issues. So, you know, and then the big thing is you get all the drifting. You know, all this snow and everything that we have had that's been blown around, that just creates these drifts. Uh, you take in these areas where, you know, the the snow has been plowed, and we have so much snow that it, uh, like I said, it's just really creating havoc. And, and I know the guys are up on leach right now. We're running houses are really kind of... Feel like they're kind of beating their heads against the wall a little bit here, but uh, we'll get through it, you know. But like I said, just being smart, you know. In regards to fishing on leech, um, it's been pretty similar, you know, with, uh, with people not being able to get around as much, just not getting as many reports. But you know, those uh, kind of peak times have been best uh, set lines uh, with glow jigs uh, under a bobber or just a set line on a rattle reel if you're in a fish house. And, um, and then, like I talked, like we talked about last week, just utilizing reaction bites. Um, you know, throughout the daytime as well to try to provoke bites. Um, and then, you know, some perch getting caught up around Sand Point, uh, in agency bay, uh, and some of the weed, you know, weedier bays like Steamboat Bay.
1: And you did mention Eelpot Festival next weekend, too. You're heavily involved with that, Jason. Uh, as long as things are, are continue on the right path there, anything new this year to the event or anything that's different from years past?
2: No, no, everything's pretty much status quo and the same, you know, we're we're continuing to try to really be conservationist with the uh the actual eel pot fishing tournament piece and you know last a couple of years ago we switched it up to you know four eel pot per person instead of you know for many years it was the old uh you know bring in as many you know eel pot as you can. There was tonnage wards and all these things and it's now we're really trying to be conservationist in the sense of, you know, four per person uh, Bringing your four biggest, and then you know we're trying to release as many as we can as well. But a lot of the same festivities going on at the Fieldpole Festival. um You know, it's I'm you hear stories, of guys already you know out fishing and and trying to figure out. You know, it's it's kind of it's like it's, it's the polar opposite of the extravaganza. You know, there there's rules and such, but a lot of it is more just for fun. And um you know, so guys get out fishing now a week or so ahead of time, and you hear stories of. Somebody's got a 12-pounder, you know, you know, in, in a crate somewhere under the ice or whatever. So it's always fun to see. Half the time it's rumors, um, but it, it is fun to see all of a sudden somebody brings in a big, uh, you know, twelve, 12-, 13-pound eel pout and everybody gets pretty excited. So it, uh, the one thing that we are this year, we are down on the ice this year. So if anybody is coming up uh, to check out the weigh-in stage or check out the festivities, we, uh, we are down on the ice right out in front of Chase on the Lake, um, their big tent Uh, We were there last year, and it really made for a fun atmosphere, and so you could see the fish getting weighed, people coming and and kiss the pout, and we got a a pout slide, and we put the pout down into a a kiddie pool, and they swim around a little bit, and um, we got some really cool hats we're selling this year, some eel pout fishing hats that we put up online last night, and it kind of caught like wildfire. People are all excited about getting the eel pout fishing hat, and and so, yeah, it, it's a fun event, and uh, it's just fun. You know, you can get up and you go out during the afternoon and, and check things out, and the kids' perch, you know, contest, the polar plunge, you know, and there's obviously there's the nightlife and things like that as well. But it, it's a neat event. It's a great event for Walker.
1: And I would imagine social media you can follow along all over there.
2: Yeah, for sure. You go to the Ilpout uh, Facebook page, uh, then we'll obviously have stuff as well uh, on our Leisure Outdoors
3: Facebook page.
1: So there you go. Check it out. Kind of a, a, a tricky weekend, as Jason mentioned. Uh, things are a little a little tough getting around out on the lakes, but uh, hopefully we can get outside and and do a little bit. Uh, it's starting to get kind of cabin fever. I know you're headlong into boat show season now, Jason. So that's got you busy this weekend.
2: Yeah, I'm excited heading over to Duluth, and uh, I was over in Fargo a couple weeks ago. Heading over to Duluth now, and it, uh, I got telling you off air, it uh, helps you kind of uh, curb the uh, cabin fever we're all getting from all this snow and everything. So I'm excited to get over to Duluth and and give it a whirl and you know one piece of advice you know i give people right now is if you're kind of wishy-washy about whether you want to get out and ice fish you know this is a good time to maybe re-spool some line and and uh you know, go through your fish house and make sure everything's all squared away because some of the best ice fishing is still to come with uh um you know with late ice and all the things that come along with that but uh i'm going to be sitting in a boat in a lund boat this weekend at rj's uh at the rj's booth at the uh the deck in duluth and i'm gonna i'm excited about talking fishing.
1: There you go. Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com. I appreciate the info as always, buddy. We'll check in next week, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. One other quick note, and we'll expand more on this on next week's show, but uh, some news came out on Thursday from the Minnesota DNR. Anglers on Mille Lacs will have an opportunity to keep some walleye during the open water fishing season this year. This follows several seasons of catch and release fishing on the lake. Last year, state anglers stayed well under the lake's safe harvest allocation for walleyes. With an improving walleye population, the Department of Natural Resources will allow some walleye harvest when the season opens Saturday, May 11th. The DNR will announce the Mille Lacs walleye regulations for the upcoming season in mid-March. We're happy to announce that with some very conservative fishing regulations over the past three years, walleye are now at a level where we can cautiously allow anglers to start keeping some fish during the open water season, said DNR Commissioner Sarah Strauman. This is good news for anglers, Malax area businesses and the resource. Stroman added, I wanted to thank the bands for their ongoing collaboration with the Mille Lacs Fishing Advisory Committee for its continued input and discussions with the DNR in managing the walleye fishery on Mille Lacs. The DNR is also considering allowing the walleye harvest during the cool water periods in the spring and fall the agency is exploring a variety of regulation options and will be discussing the alternatives with the Mille Lacs Fisheries Advisory Committee, a group of local businesses, fishing experts, and community leaders that help advise the agency on Mille Lacs fishing regulations and other issues. The state and the bands recently agreed on a safe harvest level of 150,000 pounds of walleye, which provides a state allocation of 87,800 pounds. Under the catch and release only regulation last year, Walleye angler kill totaled over 47,000 pounds. Like I said, we'll have more on that on next week's show, but wanted to touch on that when the news broke this past Thursday from the DNR. When we come back, we're going to talk some pan fishing tactics with uh, Jason Durham with Go Fish Guide Service up in Park Rapids when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Special treat this week. Gentlemen, we haven't talked to in quite some time, but I thought I'd reach out to him and chat about a little pan fishing, and that is uh, Jason Durham with Go Fish Guide Service and a well-known kindergarten teacher as well. Jason, welcome back to the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on,
1: Brian. Yeah, what's harder to deal with uh, when you're, you're guiding people that don't know what they're doing when they're fishing or kindergartners? Uh, <laughs> or one and the same, maybe. <laughs>
3: it's, a, it's a toss-up. But at the same time, I've got 22 kids in my classroom. So 22 5- and 6-year-olds when I'm guiding, you know, I might only have up to five people in the boat. But uh, the one thing that's relative is you have to have a lot of patience.
1: That would make sense. Now, uh, we're catching you, Jason. You're actually out on the ice doing a little fishing right now, right?
3: I am. You know, uh, some of our lakes... We have a lot of water and slush on the ice, which is making travel difficult for vehicles, really anything other than snowmobiles. ATVs on a lot of the lakes are out of the question. But again, it just depends on which lake you're going to.
1: Up by you, that Park Rapids area, how has the fishing been up there uh, for those that maybe can't get around?
3: You know, it has been uh, up and down. Right now, it's been really good. Uh, but when we got that snowstorm, uh, that really changed things. Just the amount of ambient light that can penetrate into the water, um, and of course, increasing the difficulties for travel. But those fish are starting to move up in the water column. Um, you can catch them just a couple feet under the ice, and, and the bluegills and crappies have been uh, smacking really good right now. You know, I just, I like to get really aggressive and I fish big. You know, last night I was out. Um, actually up on Mantrap Lake, and there's just a a huge abundance of crappies out there. There's a lot of small fish, but there's some really nice crappies out there as well. Um, I was using the rod that I typically use to catch eel pout. So I'm talking 17-pound braided line, and I wasn't running a fluorocarbon leader or anything like that. I wasn't trying to be shy about what I was doing, and bright fluorescent green line, Um, and then using a a spoon like the size that you would typically use for walleye fishing and just trying to get those bigger fish to bite. And uh, just had a phenomenal night last night. In fact, uh, I didn't even use bait on my hook, if that gives you any indication of how aggressive the fish were.
1: Do you like to be aggressive in your jigging as well?
3: Oh, yeah. When I'm using a spoon, I'm using a motion. I've said this so many times. It's like putting salt on your steak. So it's just shaking it, and and you can control the spoon better by having your rod tip tilted down towards the pole or as you raise it up, have it pointed up more. But if you have it flat straight out in front of you, you can't control that jigging motion quite as good. So like I say, you're shake, shake, shake and you'll gradually lift the rod up. And when I get to the, you know, just a couple feet below the hole, I just let it free fall right back to the beginning. And a lot of times, those crappies this time of year, they'll either hit it on that fall, or as you're moving it up in a way, doing that cat and mouse motion.
1: Do you think that's one of the biggest mistakes anglers make? Uh, what they call cadence—they're not—they're not as far repetitive with their cadence, or do you like to mix that up every now and then?
3: You know, I do mix it up some, and it's not so much about repetition; it's about control. And if, if for anglers that don't fish a lot, you know, you don't quite have that that rhythm down, or, or just the how would I say, the minuteness of the movements that you need to make. Um, And and that just comes with time and practice. But I see people ice fishing, you know, very, very often on guide trips where they they simply jig too much. So you have to remember these fish, they're used to seeing microscopic organisms and, and feeding on those, and so a little motion goes a long way when you're jigging.
1: And would you say the same thing if people are going after bluegills or maybe even perch, would you use some of the same tactics or do you change that up a little bit?
3: No, I absolutely use the same tactics. The only thing is, like using a jigging spoon with bluegills, a lot of times the crappies, for instance, will come up and they'll smash the spoon as you're moving it up. They'll just inhale it. And a lot of times what you're feeling is the absence of the weight of the spoon. You're not actually feeling the fish pull away from you. You're feeling it lift up. With bluegills, they don't, they don't necessarily hit it as often when the spoon's moving. So you see the fish come in on your vexilar. It's suspended right under your bait you have to stop. So you stop jigging and then they're going to hit that spoon. The only difference with perch is I uh, come into contact with the bottom much more often than I do with fishing, you know, bluegills and crappies. But, you know, those fish will start to move up in the water column too. But, you know, depending on time of day, the lake you're on, there's a lot of variables to it. But a lot of times I'm pounding that spoon on the bottom. I mean, in the summertime, we're constantly coming into contact with the bottom with our jigs. But, Ice fishing, a lot of times anglers are reluctant to hit the bottom. It's almost like they think we have to have our bait suspended somewhere between the ice and the weeds or the sand, but definitely cause a ruckus down there on the bottom.
1: And one last uh, last couple of things, Jason, while we got you here. Um, You mentioned briefly pouting, and do you guys up where you fish and stuff? Uh, That seems to be kind of the new hip thing for people to fish for now. Do you have some pretty good pout fishing up that way?
3: Yeah, we really do. There's a number of lakes that that have eel pout, and, uh, you know, it's becoming more and more popular. I mean, you look at, like, Matt Brewer, for instance. You know, he's really the guy that got all of this going um, in our area, and so much fun to catch. You know, this time of year, you can go home, you can, you know, put the kids to bed, uh, pay some bills, and then go out fishing. The toughest part, it's hard to pull yourself away to go home and go to bed.
1: (laughs) That's always tough. It's a struggle sometimes with that.
3: (laughs) It's it is.
1: One last thing, Jason. I uh, came across an article and then a video that you put out uh, about some people that made when they catch bluegills and they notice them black specks that are on there. And that I'm, I'm sure some people have made that somewhat concerning. You kind of uh, took us through what exactly those are.
3: Yeah, I did a lot of research on this uh, with fisheries biologists because I, I got asked about it so often. And, I, you know, having a teaching background, I, I love science. And so it was really appealing and educational for me. But, so those spots, it's called black miascus, and it's actually a parasite. So the life cycle of it is that the eggs develop in the bellies of fish-eating birds, like great blue herons, and the birds end up going to the bathroom uh, into the lake, and those eggs fall down to the bottom, and then they're picked up and carried around by snails. Now, eventually, the organism hatches, and it's free swimming in the water, And it will attach to the sides of the fish and start to burrow through the skin. But then they typically don't make it. I have seen times where I've seen black miascis in the meat of fish. Uh, But then that black spot that you see is actually a cyst. It's in a dormant stage. And then the fish-eating birds eat the fish again, and the whole cycle starts all over. So it's not harmful to humans as long as you cook your fish, even if the black spots were in the meat. Uh, Just think of it as extra protein. Uh, (laughs) But you'll see that much more commonly in lakes that have a lot of uh, um, aquatic habitat for birds uh, and those fish-eating birds. So, like I say, it's not a bad thing doesn't make the fish look as pretty for pictures, uh, but it's not harmful.
1: And like you said, yeah, just make sure your fish is cooked properly. You should be good to go. Exactly. So there you go. Some very interesting stuff. Jason Durham, he's with with uh, Go Fish Guide Service. Great to have him on the show this week. Uh, Jason, if people want more information on you, uh, maybe want to head up that way, do a little fishing, maybe hire you for a guide service, or just see what you're up to, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
3: Well, I tell everybody I'm an open book for anyone. So feel free to call if you just want, you know, even general information on fishing, anything. Uh, my phone number is 218-252-2278, or you can find me online at go-fish-guides.com.
1: There you go. Jason Durham, Go Fish Guide Service up in the Park Rapids area. Jason, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're really busy to uh, talk to us, and hopefully we'll have you on here real soon again, okay?
3: Hey, really looking forward to it, Brian.
1: All right, when we come back, something we haven't really talked a whole lot on the show about, and that is rattle reel rigging tactics. Brad Hawthorne will drop by. He's got some pretty insightful ideas when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and obviously ice fishing on the brain of many, uh, heading out many anglers Thought we'd bring in Brad Hawthorne. He's a longtime Malax guide, and obviously Steve Saponiak. We talked to uh, many, many times out on Malax throughout the years. But uh, Brad joining us this time around to give us kind of an update. I wanted to talk to Brad because he's got some very interesting tips on how to rig up your rattle reels. Brad, uh, welcome to Brainerd Outdoors.
4: Hey, thanks for having me. the The thing about rattle reels we we've, we've seen them used for years and years on Malax. It's kind of Back in the day before all the wheel wheelhouses came on the scene, if you wanted to spend a weekend on Malax, you went out in a rental house and there was a local guy that that's passed on now. But he used to actually make wooden rattle reels on the southeast corner or southwest corner of the lake. And they were kind of known as the Malax rattle reel. And since then, from the guy making them in his in his shop, we have rattle reels now with bearings in them like high grade japanese bearings um, you can buy rattle reels now from 299 all the way up to 59.99 i mean it's just an amazing it's amazing to see the sport grow from you know an old an old triline xl spool nailed to the wall and then drop down the hole you know that was that was done for many many years as well so the the one thing i do different is I use either suffix 50 pound braid that's coated braid so it doesn't freeze, or I use fly line. And these fly line bolts for a lot of guys what I noticed when you know we do panfish trips, I'll go and guide on other lakes too. And what I've noticed was the fly line trick was really a localized Malax technique for for utilizing that, that line. And I didn't really see it in any other corners of the state, especially North, South Dakota, Wisconsin. We just didn't really see it. And by using that fly line or that or the 50 pound suffix, what it does is it's neutrally buoyant. So it acts like a bobber. So if you can imagine, you've got on Mille Lac, 10 to 15 feet of six to eight pound fluorocarbon lead line. And then you have another 10, 12 feet of a neutrally buoyant line that acts like a bobber and it does have coil in it. So when a fish strikes that, that minnow, the rattle reel may just twitch a little bit, a lot less than a bobber would move because it has that, that, you know, that coil in it, just a little bit of loose coil. And then the fish swims off and the rattle reel starts dinging and you simply set the hook and battle the fish. There's no more of this. Hey, let them take it for 30 seconds or let them run for a minute. Like those days are gone. And it's actually, it actually helps the fish. You get a more positive hook set and it's just a, a way cleaner way of, of presenting the bait to the fish and catching them. Once you got them on the, the old way was to, you know, put a bobber on heavy gauge line, a slip bobber pin it. And then when the bobber hit the bottom of the hole or it ran for two or three minutes, then it was time to set the hook. Well, inherently what we have with bobbers is they tend to freeze in the hole. Um, if you're using a, a slip bobber, that bobber can get froze in the middle of it, so that's not going to slide. And you have that constant resistance of that bobber, because typically in the winter, guys are using pretty big bobbers for, for, for minnows. You know, They're using a, a good medium-sized bobber. They're not using these little peanut ones for, like you use for sunfish. So by just using the line technique, it's a lot more sensitive. The fish in, in effortlessly can take that minnow without feeling any weight. And the other thing I wanted to point out too was with the fly line and tip up line, having a line marker, you know, where your depth is set on that line has historically been a problem and I figured out something I can't take credit for it. I was at a seminar last year, I was giving it out in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I let the, let these guys know about, you know, the line I was using and this and that. And the guy in the back corner, I said, I really don't have a good way to mark the line. I said, I've tried electrical tape. I've tried marker. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried tying knots in it. And the guy stood up and he said, just pop the clip off a swivel snap and thread it on. And I went, unreal. That was the best idea I've ever heard. He said he's been marking his line like that for years and years and years, he had just never told anyone. So I asked him permission, I said, can I use that? I'll give you credit, but that is the best idea. Because when you attach your either suffix 50 pound or fly line to your leader, you you want a joint there. You have a swivel there. So everyone's got a package of swivel snaps. So you unsnap the snap, you got your swivel, you tie that to your 50 pound or your fly line, and then you tie your fluorocarbon leader to the other end of that swivel slide your clip on the fly or 50 pound and you are off and running with a lot less you get a lot less tangles you get a lot more natural presentation and once you set your rattle reels up like this it's not like you got to change the line on them every year i mean i've got fly line setups and 50 pound suffix braid setups that are going on seven eight nine years old
1: and this line you're talking about too, Brad, it's pretty easy to find in the stores, right?
4: It It, it is locally here. What I've noticed, Brainerd Lakes, Mille Lacs area, it's pretty easy to find around here. But once you get, you know, Lake of the Woods, Red Lake area, things like that, it gets a little bit more difficult to find. So, you know, we're seeing it expand because we're promoting it a little bit more. But basically, if you want it, um, yeah, you can go and buy big bolts of it you know, at one of the big retailers, you can find it there, but you're going to pay a lot more for it. The stuff that we have locally available here is actually end run is what they call it to where it's, it's only 50 yards long, comes in multi-different colors, and you don't have to buy 100 yards of it for 20 or $30. You can get it for 299 to 499
1: And when you mentioned multi-colors, is there one in particular that you like to use, Brad, or is there pretty much they're all the same?
4: I kind of think they're all the same, it, it that comes down to the, the end user of uh, of it. Um, Mille Lacs, I'm always using on my rattle reel and, and tip-up setup, I'm always using a 10- to 12-foot leader on my stuff, so that I feel that that's far enough away. Even if that line is bright orange, it's really the fish is not paying that much attention to it because it's so far away. I'll change it up a little bit. You know, for sure, number six, VMC hook. I mean, th- those hooks, tried and true, have caught more. Malax walleye i think any other hook out there they're a durable hook they come in a multitude of different colors and you don't have to worry about them break in again they're good quality and i'm just using a number six or a number eight hook i put a rubber core or a split shot about 18 inches to two feet above that and i adjust that weight size or whatever minnow we're using you know a lot of times late season on the we're using those bigger shiners if we can get them the four five and six inches, and those times i may go up to a half ounce of weight um it's unusual but we will go that high but that's that's my basic setup if i have to if the fish are really really negative and i cannot pull them off the bottom i will take just a regular spoon vmc spoon tingler tumbler spoon and i will hook them in on the back I will tie that directly to my tip line, and I will let that lively minnow sit on the bottom with that spoon and just wiggle back and forth. And that has been a deadly slow cold front technique for me over the years.
1: It is amazing, Brad, the evolution of ice fishing, and here we are talking on the show, rattle reel tips. I mean, it shows you how, with these evolutions of wheelhouses and all the different ones that are out there right now, how far we've come.
4: We have. It's, uh, in, in my 15 years in the, in the industry, I've watched ice fishing come from gas augers where that was a huge thing. Like, holy cow, we can now, we don't have to do this by hand anymore. And they, they came into the market, they were easy to get your hands on. Like, I got my first gas auger when I was 13 and I was so proud of it. I remember that Christmas that uh, my parents gave it to me. And then we've watched the wheelhouse market load i mean every given you have to see this brian and braided any given weekend on a thursday or friday you have to see thousands and thousands of wheelhouses pass up 371
1: oh i've seen it don't get me wrong <laughs> i mean you can always tell when when there's a, a hot bite somewhere or if you know once we get those fishable ice uh and able to drive out there with those things it is incredible so some great information there from brad hawthorne uh Mille Lac's guide longtime time guide brad if people want more information on you how can they find it
4: They can give me a call at 651-271-8600 or look me up at com.
1: And hopefully, Brad, maybe we'll have you on the show here throughout the winter with some other tips. I know, like I said, it's it's odd talking rattle reel tips on the show, but like we said before, I mean, with the evolution, the way things are going right now, uh, everything is kind of uh, a topical thing now.
4: It, It is. You know, we've got electric augers, we've got sonar in the industry now that has come leaps and bounds from the old green boxes. And we see lures just getting the advancements in line, the advancements in wheelhouses. Now, like my wheelhouse, my Yeti house, I have, I have a full bathroom in that thing. (laughs) It's just, it's just 10 years ago. You never would have thought you'd you'd seen that people would have laughed at you. Now we have satellite TV, uh, you know, thin diameter, fluorocarbon line, we have spoons that actually do throw off the right hues of bait fish now. Not just some guy in his basement slapping orange on a spoon. It's just, it's if you're an ice fisherman, it's an awesome time to uh, to be in the industry right now. It's
1: almost like fishing out of a hotel room.
4: It it, it that that is the best way to put it.
1: <laughs> there you go, Brad. I appreciate it. Good stuff, and uh, we'll talk with you to hear down the line. Okay.
4: Thanks for having
1: me. And we'll have more Brainerd Outdoors after this on b ninety three point three. 3.3. Time for our Hungry Hunter segment here on Brainerd Outdoors. And as always, we bring in Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter. And I can't wait for this one, Joel. Two things I love. I love duck and I love
5: quesadillas. And once you know it, <laughs> duck quesadilla this week. This sounds fantastic. Awesome. This does sound fantastic. We've done it a couple times in a restaurant, actually, and we uh, little taste of it here. So we're going to start off with some pulled duck meat, you know, about a half pound or whatever you have laying around. Add in some green onions, some pepperonis, and some chopped bacon. We're going to fill that in a skillet, and we're just going to saute that together to get it warm, just so we can add it into our quesadilla, already hot. It's good to go. So in a 12-inch skillet, put a little bit of oil down, and we'll toss in a 12-inch tortilla. Give it a good spin so the oil gets all the way around the quesadilla and then we're going to top it with uh, shredded Gouda cheese. I love Gouda cheese. It's nice and got that awesome smoky flavor to it. Let that cheese melt down a little bit. And we're going to add in our, you know, our, our warmed up duck meat, onions, and bacon. And I like to do it on half the side of the quesadilla. That way we can flip it. So as that's cooking, let that melt together, we're going to make up, make up a cranberry aioli. So we're going to take a cup of mayonnaise, some chopped garlic and some whole cranberries, fill that into the food processor, let that chop up and get it all nice and, nice and fine, and I want those cranberries really nice and smooth. Add a little salt and pepper, maybe a little lemon zest if you're feeling crazy. Take it out, we're going to top our quesadilla with that.
1: Wow. You know, a lot <laughs> of times, you know, you get a quesadilla somewhere, and they serve it with sour cream, I mean, which is fine, but, I mean, something like this, this is knocking it out of the park. This is, yeah. And the gouda cheese thing, too, I mean, you guys, you mentioned you had this on the menu, but just your regular quesadillas that you have on the menu, you use gouda cheese. We sure do. Which I've had many, many times. And uh, I can vouch for what you were saying. That smoky flavor adds such a distinct taste it's to so it. It's so creamy. Yeah. Like, this is the creamy,
5: awesome cheese.
1: Yep. I love it. So this, nice. this recipe, this is going at the top of the cookbook for me. So if you want to give it a try, duck quesadillas. Uh, just head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, click on the recipe tab, and there's a ton of them for you to try, including this one. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, fantastic, Joel. We'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Don't forget, you can stream the live show. If you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, click on the Listen Live tab. You can also find the show on demand there. And, of course, we're all over the podcast network, whether it be iTunes, Podcast One, wherever you download podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors, download, subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon.
0: Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and in Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Weimar Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, SW Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco. Your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7 and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.